Hi everyone, you're listening to Curl Chronicles by The Curl Talk Project. I am your host, Joe. In this podcast, I'll dive into the experiences of some of the most amazing curly women you know. We'll discuss the love they have for the hair, the pride, in addition to the difficulties they face to get to a point of hair acceptance. Get ready for some serious curl talk. Today's guest is Shahira, a talented influencer with makeup skills you could only dream of. But that's not it. Shahira is bright, confident, feels very strongly about social issues and isn't scared to be vocal about them. In this episode, she explains why she got all of her hair off and tells us how she now connects with this new version of herself. Hi, my name is Shahira. Uh, I'm also known as AfroGlory underscore on socials. Um, I started my platform as a natural hair blogger and it kind of evolved into talking about beauty and infusing kind of like my political opinions and views around existing as a black person and yeah I so basically now I call myself a beauty creator which I feel encompasses hair skin makeup um and I also do a little bit of plus size fashion but essentially my name is Shahira I'm a plus size black British woman with Jamaican ancestry living in the United Kingdom Amazing, amazing. I think, you know, the first thing, in addition to your content that looks amazing and the skills that you have for makeup and all these things, the first thing that came to mind was your big shop. I big shopped twice, um, like completely shaved my head off. But when I saw that you did it, I was very curious because I understood that you did it for a reason that was very different from my reasons. So I would love to know why you decided to like, cut all your hair um, and how it make you feel empowered to that day. Okay, so cutting my hair off was a huge decision because obviously I had to take into consideration my platform. I'm called Afro Glory and like, who would I be without my hair? Am I still Afro Glory? The answer is yes, I know this now. But I had this massive like power struggle mentally. I think I decided to cut my hair about a year before I actually did it. And it was very much a, oh, I'm going to do it this month. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Oh, I'm going to do it this month. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And then there's something magical about New Year's Eve where you're like, this is my chance to hit reset. And I already knew from about um, September, October time that I was going to donate my hair to um, a charity that now accepts natural hair. They call it textured hair, but they now accept accept textured hair um, to create wigs for children with um, cancer who've lost their hair, who are like ill. And I just thought this is the perfect opportunity for me to cut my hair knowing that it's going to continue to be loved and it's going to continue to serve not just an individual, not just a child, but a whole family. And in my mind, I can just picture this young black child finally having an Afro and being like, I look like my mum, I look like my dad, my siblings, my cousins, my peers. And I mean, before this charity was accepting natural hair, um, young black children were having to wear wigs made out of Eurocentric hair, so white people's hair. Um, So yeah, that was like 70% of the decision for cutting my hair off. And the other part was, I actually went natural at a very traumatic time in my life. And the reason I went natural was I just couldn't deal with adding more to my body or more to my load. So I decided to stop. I'd cut all things out of my life that were processed. So 
I stopped relaxing my hair because I was like, I don't need to add this chemical. I can't be bothered relaxing my roots every three months. Let me just see what my hair looks like. I was 24 at the time. And that was the first time I started discovering what natural hair was. Anyway, the big chop, it was it was a huge deal for me. I think if you watch the video on my socials, you can see there's a moment where I get really emotional and it's after the first chop. And I did it right at the front on purpose because I was like, there's no backing out if I take it right from the front and center. Um, and I was scared I would, but I didn't. And I feel I feel very liberated in the sense that I'm able to rediscover a relationship with my hair. Like my hair routine's changed. Um, I'm seeing my curls from scalp to now, like from the origins, from the root. Uh, when I first cut my hair off, I just cut the relaxer off. So I still had like a little bit of hair. But um, this time around, it was, it's really been like a completely different relationship with my hair and growing it. So yeah, I just feel really happy. I feel really, I've, I've developed a hat collection. I, I now have hats. They're my new personality. <laughs> um but yeah no I just I'm really glad I did it and I actually would encourage any other black people out there considering um you know hit and reset it is a commitment you have to consider how long it will take to grow out uh but yeah no I feel very liberated and I'm very happy that my head is a decent shape (laughs) Mm, no no I honestly this is the most important thing Tivanes you really don't know until you see it you're just like my head look okay but generally there is no like massive you know bad surprises um yeah. but no it's amazing I love what you said about you know you're laughing about you know having this new collection of hats but um yeah I think this is quite important because when you shave or when you cut all your hair off like it's literally mm-hmm. you like you can't hide yeah. behind anything so it's mm-hmm. about how you embrace the the new you in a way and how you look naturally Absolutely. um yeah. and kind of using more accessories to kind of, you know, enhance your natural beauty, basically. And this is something that I've done quite a lot. Like, I always loved, like, big earrings, but I feel like when I have my big hair out, maybe big earrings are not the right thing. But when I shaved it all off, I was like, that's it. Like, I'm putting them. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I love the fact that you find this right balance between between the two. Um, What would you say is the relationship with your hair now compared that the relationship that you have with your hair before you actually did the big shop? Um, I still love my hair now it's um it's grown a lot in like two months so I Mm -hmm. cut it on the 31st and I feel like it's grown quite a lot um Mm. but I love my new natural hair routine I can wash my hair I can massage my scalp I'm able to do things that I wasn't able to before um my hair routine's obviously a lot quicker I'm using a lot less product so I'm able to try more products um no I feel like my relationship with my hair now is is wonderful it's it's very much similar in the sense that I still love my natural hair but what is different is that I'm now learning to kind of appreciate the difference between having really short hair and really long hair and also I'm reevaluating my natural hair journey for the second time because the first time I was learning but this time I kind of know what I'm doing so I'm like I have a, a hair shape in mind so I'm going to keep like trimming it and cutting it to grow it into this style and now that it's short I'm considering like do I want to do hair dye because I would never dye my hair if it was like big like it was before and I'm like will it grow enough for me to ever be able to donate it again I'm having all these conversations with myself and I'm 
I'm also really glad I cut my hair and was able to still maintain this sense of being Afro glory and feeling like I look, I still love myself with my natural hair. Um, even though it was this long, cause it's still there. It's still mine. It still belongs to me, even though it's not as long as it was. So I don't know. There's just so many layers and dynamics and levels to having really short hair than there is to having really big hair. And none of them are like negative or positive They're, in terms of like, they kind of outweigh, they weigh the same on both sides. They're just different, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it completely does make sense. No, I love what you're saying here. And I'm quite curious about um, your the people around you, like people in your circle. So mm-hmm. whether it was your family, your friends, how did they actually experience your journey? Because there is this thing with natural hair. When you... I realize like within the natural hair community, this is a discussion that's happening a lot, is that when we are taking decisions for our own hair, people actually get offended. Mm-hmm. They're like, don't do this. Like, don't cut your hair. Don't color it. Don't do this. And you're just like, I'm sorry. This is my decision. Like, so I'm quite curious to know how it worked in your circle. Did you have this kind of reactions or was it actually very supportive and encouraging? So I actually live in West Yorkshire, which is a predominantly white space. So a lot of my friends up north where I live now are white. So they know they know that I'm quite loud about politics and black people and existing as in a black body. So I feel like they know not to cross a line when it comes to having an opinion on my existence. But I will say that a few of them, um, my best friend, um, I don't know if I should name them, but my best friend helped me cut my hair, um, Julia, shout out to Julia. Um, she helped me cut my hair and I'm not going to lie, I've known her most of my life, but I felt a type of way when she actually snipped. I was like, there's a white person touching my hair. There's a white person cutting my hair. It it was almost triggering a little bit, but <laughs> um, I moved on from that really quick because it was at my house. I was in a safe space. But um, I've had a few comments about, you know, looking like Missy Elliott and the odd thing like that. Um, I was really nervous to tell my mum and my dad. So they're separated, but um, I still communicate with them, obviously, both separately. Um, I was really nervous because my mum and dad have always been very like, you should go natural. And when I went natural, they were like, this is amazing. Your hair's amazing. So I didn't actually tell them I was going to do it. I just sent them a photo. Mm. <laughs> and they're both of their, like, I t- I kind of, you know, when you're talking to your parents and you're just like, so I did this thing, but this is why I did it. And look, look, look what I did. It's really good. It's not just like I cut my hair. Um, so I told them I donated my hair. My mum was super excited about it. My dad was like, you look great and like, well done. So the reactions I've had have been really positive. Um, no one's kind of, like I said, I think because people know me and they know that I'm very opinionated when it comes to like black hair, like don't touch my hair. Don't ask me questions about my hair. Don't try and, you know, dive into something that's not going to benefit either of us so I think a lot of people around me have just kind of left me to it and it been like well done <laughs> which is kind of what I want and I think what we're entitled to when we make decisions about our own natural hair we should we shouldn't have to answer questions because we shouldn't <laughs> you know I don't question my white friends when they go get a trim so yeah yeah, completely agree with you on every single point. What would you say are the main kind of challenges um, that you have to experience? I think there are two types of challenges existing as a black woman with natural hair. The first one is internalized, and that's how I perceive myself. Because obviously, we're 
recently it's become a lot better with like especially after last summer um I feel like visibility has become a lot more prominent but almost in like a kind of tokenized way but it's still there but before that I feel like I was battling internally with all these kind of like herbal essence adverts where they're swishing their hair around and I'm like my hair can't do that does that mean I'll never be beautiful so I feel like as you get older that kind of fades but it ne- it's it's you know it's still there it's still like that tiny voice in the back of your head like you're natural you've, you're having a bad hair day or your hair texture's like really dry today or you know I feel like I have that struggle internally externally I'm always like whenever especially living in a white space I feel like I'm always conscious of how I'll be received when I walk into a room um I feel like there's this perception especially in the United Kingdom about natural hair being unkept and untidy and messy when really we spend the most on our hair we spend the most time on it we look after it and I know that and that's helped me with this internal and external like struggle um but yeah I think one of my main external issues is probably just perception I don't want to walk into a space for someone to touch my hair I don't want to walk into a space for someone to comment on you know if I have braids in oh your hair's grown or oh it looks neat I don't want it's it's all those little (laughs) microaggressions that externally I think I struggle with but like I said the people I surround myself with um are people who know better so it's that simple you have to kind of put your foot down when it comes to and nip these things in the bud if there's a colleague if there's someone you're working with who has that extra kind of like ooh about everything you do to your hair you need to nip that in the bud and just be like actually I really don't want to talk about my hair today tomorrow or for the next year so thank you Mm, no, I think that's a very important point. That's a conversation that I had with a lot of women. And the fact that most of us will feel very uncomfortable mm. when it comes to making a colleague uncomfortable. Um, mm. So the fact that, you know, you can like own it and be strong about it and actually be very vocal about what you don't want to hear is mm. actually a massive step that you can take for yourself. So, yeah, I completely think- I just think if someone's going to be rude and make you feel uncomfortable, you shouldn't feel a type of way about making them feel uncomfortable, especially if the premises of the thing that's making everyone feel uncomfortable is about you. If it's about them, if you're making someone feel uncomfortable and then they have the the guts to say, stop, this makes me feel uncomfortable, you would stop. So like they should do the same. And I think you just need to even if you exist in a black body, you need to make sure you hold people to this, the same standards that, you know, they they hold other people in society. I, I just think there's, you know, as a black person, I'm not putting walls up around my existence anymore. I'm not going to like tiptoe around whiteness. I'm not going to tiptoe around racism. I just, I'm at a point now, I think not everyone gets there straight away. I think some people are still on that journey, but I'm at a point now where I will put my foot down and injustice makes me angry. So I will say something. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, honestly, that's what, that's the best thing they can do really. Um, what do you, what would you say? Because obviously all this conversation that people will have, you know, in the corporate world and mm-hmm. these kind of things can, you know, feed all these stereotypes that you have around like black hair. Um, what do you think would be like kind of the solutions that would help society get better at stop like stereotyping Afro hair? So when I hear the word society, I automatically think of the United Kingdom because this is where I've been socialized. Mm -hmm. So I think 
um, visibility is highly important. I see a lot of um, digestible natural hair textures in in media. So we're talking like the type three hair textures, which are commonly associated with mixed race or lighter skin tone black people. So I think visibility, um, authentic visibility of deeper skin tones and um, thicker hair textures, more coarse hair textures within the Afro hair community would make a huge difference. I also think more um, education surrounding just the existence of black people in this country. I feel like there's a massive separation between actually acknowledging that black people exist here. Um, And it's small things that other people outside of blackness probably don't even notice. Like, Like I was saying before we recorded, like being able to pick your foundation up in a shop, you know, um, all these small things that kind of visually feed us as a society every day um, need to be more diverse and need to be more inclusive. And I think another thing is we need to not forget about inclusivity when we talk about diversity. Inclusivity um, and diversity are not the same thing. Um, Because, for example, going back to makeup, a brand can have a diverse shade range and only have 10 shades in store, which isn't inclusive. So I think it's about society becoming more diverse and more inclusive. Mm, that's uh, that's amazing and very clear. I think because obviously you have all this channel and you, as you said, you started, you know, focusing on your hair and everything. And obviously hair is a big part of your journey. Yeah. Would you consider yourself being part of this natural hair movement? Mm-hmm. And whether you do or not, how do you feel the natural hair movement could kind of affect slash impact positively following generations? So I feel like when I started my platform, I was definitely in the very tiring race to be a part of the natural hair movement. I felt very much like I was always at arm's length from it. Like I was never quite there in terms of being someone who represented the natural hair movement, even though my platform was called Afro Glory and predominantly my content was hair content. I still felt like I wasn't wasn't as um, you know, like thought of in that space. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure why, to be honest. I think maybe it was just, I had a smaller platform size at the time. Um, I'm not mixed race with loose curls. Um, you know, so I don't, I stopped trying to be a part of the natural hair movement and I just started talking about my own natural hair journey. And it wasn't so much that I separated myself from the natural hair movement. It was just that I stopped trying to be a part of something that I didn't think was serving me or my community, who uh, my my like followers and stuff, um, my audience, sorry. And I just started doing what was working for me because, you know, I was following a lot of the rules, the natural hair rules, like don't wash your hair every and for like two weeks. And then I was learning, actually, you're supposed to wash your hair when it feels dry. And then I just started listening to myself. So I kind of separated myself from the natural hair movement. Um, I think now we're very aware that the natural hair movement, because of like socialization and media within this country, has become very targeted towards looser curls um at times we're even seeing white women with loose curls in a lot of media and I don't think the natural hair movement uh that I think the title of natural hair movement has been taken away from blackness so I don't think many black people are associating themselves with that natural hair movement anymore um 
But I do think creators like myself who still discuss natural hair in a very personal way um, online are very important for the next generation. Because when, if there are still young people relaxing out there, if they get to a point in their lives where they're like, I want, I want natural hair, I want to know what that feels like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they'll be able to go online and kind of find people like me who are exploring natural hair in their own way and loving their hair in their own way. Um, and yeah, I think, I think I answered that. <laughs> yeah, 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 you did. Okay. No, no, but that's great. And also it takes me to my next yeah. question because I was asking you about the impact this could have on following mm-hmm. generations, but I'm actually interested in how was the relationship you had with your hair when you were much mm-hmm. younger? Obviously, you mentioned the relaxers, so, you know, I can guess what you went through as well. Um, Yeah, I would love to know how was the relationship you had with your hair, like when you were much younger or a kid, basically. So when I was really young, I actually didn't think about my hair until my mum stopped doing it for me. So my mum kept me natural until, um, you know, I was it was time for me to go to school. Um, And my mum was a single mother with two children. So she was working a lot. lot. She also started university again. So she was studying, she was working and she was like, look, here's the Afro pick. It's time to hand it over. It's time for you to learn. Of course, I grew up around whiteness, as I mentioned. So a lot of my friends are white and all I wanted was to fit in. So I begged and begged and begged. I think it took me like six months to beg my mum to relax my hair for me. And then the first time she did it, I thought I was that, Am I allowed to swear? You are. <laughs> I thought I was that bitch. I thought I was that bitch at school. And looking back at photos, my hair was doing a madness. It was in every direction. Like, it was not relaxed at all. It was the opposite of relaxed. It was unrelaxed hair. <laughs> like, I see. My, my natural hair was way, way better. But at the time, I just visualized that herbal essence advert. And in my head, that's what I was. So I was content. I was happy with um relaxing my hair and that's the feeling that I held on to the first time that I was kind of like swish 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 even though my scalp was burning and scabbed and my hair was sticking up in different directions it was just this idea of fitting in because my actual hair strands were straightened um you know and I held on to that feeling for years um until the age of 24 from about I think I was 11 actually not eight because it was high school, so it would have been at 11. So for like 14 years, I was relaxing my hair like every three months, doing my scalp every three months. Mm. Um, But yeah, I just remember all the breakage. I remember always being like, my hair never grows, it never grows. It was always the same length. And that's because it was just snapping off all the time. I had no idea that there was a way to look after relaxed hair. I just thought, now that it's straight, I can treat it how my white friends treat their hair. I can wash it whenever I want. I don't have to put product in it. Oh, honey, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. Um, But yeah, no, my relationship with my hair as a child in my head was good. But physically, it was terrible. I was not looking after myself. I actually looked a mess. So... And what was your mom's reaction? Because you mentioned, I think we have kind of the same situation. Like I kind of begged my mom for a bit more than six months as well. Like she was very stubborn. Um, But like what happened once you did it? Like was she kind of, you know? I think my mom was really sad that I'd, you know, come to that conclusion. But I think she probably also understood, you know, being surrounded by white people and not having that representation um, was inevitable that I'd get to that point. Um, 
And I think because I think there was probably a sense of guilt because she couldn't like afford time wise to look after my hair anymore. Um, And also as a single mum looking after two children, financially looking after Afro hair is not cheap either. Um, We all know the tips and tricks from our ancestors, you know, like slap a bit of shea butter, slap a bit of Vaseline, wash your hair, but even maintaining that and doing that time-wise, braiding my hair or um, canaroing it for school, stuff like that. Um, Yeah, I'm sure there was a sense of guilt. Um, But I got there in the end, you know, I feel like I got there in the end. And now if I were to ever become a mother, I would hope that my child would love their natural hair, male or female or non-binary or whatever gender my child is or would be. I would hope that they would love their natural hair. Um, in whatever form they choose to keep it and know that using chemicals to try and assimilate to um, a standard of beauty that was never ours and never will be ours is toxic and going to be detrimental to their mental health. So, yeah. I love what you just said. And it ties very nicely with my last question, (laughs) which is a question that I asked every single guest that I have on the podcast. What would you say to your younger self? I would say don't change a thing about your natural hair journey. Don't change a thing about your life and your existence. Stay on this path. Learn all the lessons that you need to learn. Some will be terrible. Some will be difficult. Some will be great. Um, But you'll get to the right place because when you're who you become, you're happy, you're content, and you've taken everything that you've learned from your childhood and life and turned it into flowers.